Isaiah 44, verse 3. Isaiah 44 and verse 3. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Father, this morning we just pray your blessing upon your word. Lord, anoint us both to preach. Lord, anoint us to hear. Lord, glorify your name in our midst. We thank you for the sense of your presence already among us. We pray that you would speak this morning into our hearts afresh. Lord, anoint your word wherever it is proclaimed across this whole land this morning, Lord. Surely, Lord, we need the outpouring. We need the floods of revival on this dry and thirsty land. And so we pray, Lord, would you, O God, in your mercy, remember... Lord, your people, O God, Lord, pour out thy grace and thy mercy upon us. Lord, revive thy work, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. Speak this morning just on uh, the subject, floods on dry ground. And this wonderful verse that many of you will be familiar with here in the prophet Isaiah. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon uh, thine offspring. You know, a number of weeks ago, the Lord began just to direct me this little message uh, and put it in in my heart. I was was just out walking, and um, I was just overtaken, really, just by looking at the creation God's great handiwork that's all around us. We're so blessed in this country to have such a a beautiful country to see the glory of the Lord in creation. And, uh, you know, when you're saved and your eyes are opened and you see the splendor of God's handiwork, the Bible tells us that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. We can see Him and His handiwork is, is actually all around us and we are blessed with such with such beauty and if you go back in the Genesis chapter 1 and, and the creation for a moment, and uh, we see there in the, in the fourth day <clears throat> of creation, and these are literal days in which the Lord created the heavens and the earth and everything that is within it. But on the fourth day in Genesis 1 verse 14, the Lord said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day and from the night, and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so when God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. That's the sun and the moon, of course. Then it says, and we've looked at this before, these five words, He made the stars also. He made the stars also. And God made two great lights, the greater to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God set these two great lights that we see, that we experience, uh, that we look at the splendor a few weeks ago, uh, there was a snow moon. I don't know whether you've seen it, but it just was so huge. And you could see it in the daytime, just in the early morning as the sun was coming up. There was a beautiful uh, snow moon. It just was spectacular, the glory. 
the majesty of God's great creation. These two nights, of course, that the Lord gave us and the entire universe that we uh, behold and we look upon and we gaze up and we look at the stars and we see the rolling, uh, hear the rolling thunder and we have a, an appreciation of God's amazing creation. It's all around us. It's, it's, it's remarkable that people say, I don't believe in God. Um, just take a walk along Newcastle Front, stand for a moment, see the mighty morns, look across the rolling sea, and you just stand in awe. It's just so simple. I know it's maybe not very profound this morning. You may be saying, well, we're, is there not more? I want to tell you, friends, when you just look at the creation of what God has set before us, that we can enjoy it every day. And most of the time we miss it, don't we? we we're, we're so busy in our lives, we just miss the, the splendor of God's creation. It's, it's everywhere, declaring the very glory of God. These particular two lights have great purpose for us, of course. Um, we like the sun, don't we? And hopefully it's going to warm up soon and uh, we can turn the heat off. That's the first thing that's going to happen when we get the May. Heat off, save the oil, and there's a wee bit of sun. And we appreciate when we get good weather and we enjoy the sun and the light that it gives and also the moon. And, but there's laws and there's ordinances that are operating that for the most part we just take it all for granted. We just carry through life. We don't really have an appreciation of the fact that there's laws, there's things that have been set from the creation of time that are affecting even our service this morning, but you don't see it, but it's a reality. And yet without those laws and those ordinances that God has set and ordered in creation, then this morning that we would all be floating and probably hitting the ceiling. We'd just be all like party balloons that all hit the roof. And that's the law of gravity. That's not Newton's law, even though he claims it, but it's actually God's law. It's God's ordinance that that's why we're, praise the Lord, you're sitting on your seat and you're not just, we're not just all floating about together. We're just grounded by God's ordinances. It's amazing, isn't it? But yet we never really take that as a thought. We don't see the laws, but those laws are working. And also God refers to his creation to, to let us know that if the order that he has set, if it ever changes, then his word has failed. So God would take his, take his creation saying, now this is my creation, these are my ordinances, this is what I've set forth. And if they ever change, then my word is going to fail. If you turn into Jeremiah chapter 31, these are the guarantees of his promises. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33 Jeremiah 31 and 33, it says there, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. I would write it in their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And they shall teach no more. Every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them, even to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will give, forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day. And the ordinances, that's the, that word means the tasks of the moon and of the stars for light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease 
from being a nation before me forever. You see a way he, he ties together the ordinances of creation and the laws according to the promises of his word. So when we see that these laws are functioning and they're operating all around us on a daily basis, then we can have faith in the Word of God, because they function this morning, those ordinances that have been set from the very beginning of creation, even though we don't see them, we don't see gravity, but we know gravity's real. How do I know that gravity's real? Well, one of you stand up and jump as high as you can, you're going to come back down again. You're not going to defeat that law or that ordinance. And when you see the reality of that, then what God is saying is, I have set these things in order. The whole of creation, the galaxies, the planets, everything that's in order by my word and held by my power, all of that is there. And when you see that, then you can trust me that my word will never fail. And if this all changes, then my word has failed. And because of that, then if we have eyes that can see and we have faith in our hearts this morning to believe that which is the invisible, we see him not with that natural eye, but through the eyes of faith this morning, then we can trust the Lord that in all of these things that God is faithful to his word, that he never changes. God has set these orders. For example, in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 29, if you follow it with me for a moment, even the very seas and the limits and the bounds of the seas are ordered by God. In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 29, the, the Bible says there, He gave to the sea His decree that the waters should not pass His commandment when He appointed the foundations of the earth. The water should not pass his commandment that God has set the boundaries of the seas and the oceans of this world. In Jeremiah chapter 5 and 22, if you follow just a few of these this morning, God has made these boundaries and set these orders. There's important to know that God is a God of order and there are laws in God. I'm not talking about the law, the Old Testament law, but God's ordinances that he has set forth. In Jeremiah 5 and 22, he says, Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual degree, that it cannot pass? And though the waves therefore toss themselves, yet they can't, they, they, yet can they not prevail, though they roar, yet can they not pass over it? And so the next great stormy uh, day that you have and you're down at Newcastle or along the coast and you see those waves rising up and crashing in against that, that coastline. God has set an order that they can't go beyond those bounds. These are the ordinances of God. God has set them there. That is actually the glory of God in his creation. It's not just that man has put a few rocks there, but God has actually set the boundaries of the oceans and the sea, and he said it by his word, and he holds all of that by his mighty power. All these things consist by him and for him. It is not made by man, it is not created by man, it is not maintained by man, but it is by God himself. In Psalm chapter 95, if you follow it through for a moment, Psalm chapter 95 and verse 3, the Bible says here, 95 and 3, Psalm 95 and 3, it says, for the Lord is a great God, and he's a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, and the strength of the hills is also his. The sea is his, and he made it, 
and his hands formed the dry ground. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. In his hand are the deep places of the earth and the hills also, the sea he has made, and his hands has formed the dry ground. All of these things and a revelation of them and as Christ as our creator causes his people to worship him and bow down. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator, him that created it. We worship him. One of the planets recently, we only find this out the other day. Well, I did anyway, but the other day at the, at the planetarium that one of the planets was found out not by observation. I didn't know this. It's just I'm slow at learning, but they're not, not all were found through telescopes and observation, but one planet was found by mathematical calculation. Isn't that amazing? I thought it was actually amazing when I, when I heard that. For the, I was probably taught it in primary school, but that was a long time ago. But to think this morning that, uh, uh, that they discovered a planet, not by what they seen, but by the orbit and the design and the structure and the gravity pull of the planets, that men were able to make a mathematical uh, a calculation. And then they said, it must be here. So they put a telescope there and they found the planet Neptune. That shows us this morning that it's just not all floating about, brothers and sisters. It shows us this morning that there's actually an order to the entire universe. It shows us this morning that there's a God in control, that he contains everything within himself. It shows us this morning that we're just not fizzing along and running along in our own agenda somewhere, but there actually is an order to everything that is happening, not only in the galaxies, but actually on planet Earth. That God is in control. There's an order to all of this. We may not see it. Man in his sin, there's chaos. Man in his rebellion, there's chaos. But that's why Christ came into the world to save sinners, to bring us into order with God, a right relationship through the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a God of method. He is a God of order. The wise men, they understood that, that the star would appear. They were seeking, they were looking, they were longing and so they knew from Scripture in Numbers 24 and verse 17, it says there shall come a star out of Jacob. Wise men, understanding the times that they come to, began to seek after the Lord, and they seen the star. And they were moved by that in their hearts and by the Spirit of God. And we remember the story, we celebrate it every year and we talk about it, but they followed that star and they came and they said, where is where is he that is born king of the Jews? Because we have seen the star. We understand there's an order to everything that God is doing. The Bible says this, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, not because they found the star, but they found the son of righteousness that has come with healing in his wings, and his name's Jesus. When we get and see the splendor of creation, and when we grasp it for a moment, and we see the wonder, if we could lift our heads up from looking down or looking inward, 
But if we could just lift it up for a moment and we go out and, and explore and enjoy the glory of creation, it all speaks that there is a God in heaven that loves you and that died for you. That He sent His Son into this world, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. His name's Jesus. And He's come. He's the Son of righteousness with healing in His wings. And wise men rejoice greatly. They rejoiced that they'd find the Savior. So we see an order. The Bible says in Psalm 19 and verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. The heavens declare the glory of God. The next clear night, the next clear night, brothers and sisters, the next clear light, take a, take a moment, take a moment to go outside, get a chair that reclines backwards or you'll get a creak in your neck. But go out there, just get a chair and make sure if you can, get away from all natural light because the natural blinds us from the supernatural. The natural man blinds us from that which is the supernatural, the power of God and creation. And lie back in that, on that chair for a moment. If, you're, if you think that there's not a God in heaven, if you think there's not a God that cares, if you think there's not a creator, just take a moment to lie back in that chair on the patio at about half eleven of night and just for a moment consider the stars in heaven. Consider the billions upon billions of stars that He made that declares the glory of God. Just think about it for a moment. Just stop for a moment in the busy schedule of life. Just stop in all the cares and all the troubles and all the, all the looking at this and looking at... Just stop for a moment and begin to behold the glory of God. If you wait long enough, if you wait long enough, there'll be something of the glory and the splendor of creation will grip that heart You'll know that there's a God in heaven and there's a God that loves you. Now, O man, are without excuse. So the Bible says, because you see it everywhere. These men understood that there was a Savior coming. The Bible tells us important verses. Speaking of the deity of Christ in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. These are very important fundamental verses uh, to our doctrine. But in Colossians 1 and 16... It says these words, and this is concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. For by Him were all things, that's Jesus, created. That's really important. That's a fundamental to the Christian faith. By Him, that's Jesus. He's the Creator. He was cre by Him all things were created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, the visible and the invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him, that's Jesus, and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Everything that we see is held and ordered and kept by the power of Almighty God, Jesus Christ. Everything is kept by Him. Understanding that these laws and the order of creation reveal, if we look at them, and the Spirit of God brings the revelation, reveals to us the person, the deity of Christ, who He is, Almighty, Almighty God. And then we know that He is a God of order and a God also of seasons. He has set the seasons. 
the, the law of the harvest he has set. There will be seed time and there'll be harvest. There'll be day, there'll be night. There'll be, there'll be the change of the seasons. There'll be the order as the whole of the universe move in the order that God has set it. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, to everything there is a season. There is a season. Now your season at the moment, you might feel it's a difficult season. It's a hard season. It's a troubled season. It's a difficult time. It's a dark time. But to everything there is a season and to every purpose and a time to every purpose under heaven. There's a purpose and there's a season. And in everything, God is in control and God is working in that. Everything, there's a season. You know, when I, when this came, just the thought of it, you know, when we look at the creation of God, it's a remarkable thing that when we go down to, for example, along our coast, that the seas or the tides are determined by the moon. It's like a, it's a remarkable thing when you think about it that the tides that happen too high, too low, we get that in the British Isles. We get too high and too low in a 24-hour period. But all of that is happening because of the ordinance of the, of the moon. That God has set it. That gravity is pulling. Because the sea is flexible, the earth is solid. And because the sea is flexible, so then we have tides. And so sometimes when you go to Newcastle or you go to the north, you'll see that the tide is a way out. And that's a low tide, of course. And then you see at other times that the tide has come in. That's a law that God has set in His ordinance. That's not just happening by chance. That's happening because God has created it that way. And it's remarkable. Isn't it a remarkable thing? I know when we have baptisms, we always get the wrong time. And it's a low tide. We have to walk four miles to get there. But praise the Lord. That just shows us that the Lord's in control. And those tides can go right out. But if a tide goes out, brothers and sisters, there's a law operating that I don't see, but I know it's there. I know it's there. No matter what I do, what I say, or where I go, or what I build. As kids, remember when the tide was out, and then you built your sandcastle, and you built your wee walls, and you're waiting for that tide to come back in again. Your castle's going to stand, but that tide comes in that goes right over that wee sandcastle, and it's all washed away, because there's a law that's going to operate that as long as that tide goes out, and it might be a low tide, and it might be well out, but that tide is going to come back in again. It's going to come back in again. You see, there's a law that we, we cannot see the law, but the law of that and the ordinance of that is functional. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you with me this morning? Where we are with this? That, that there is a law that functions. And it's a remarkable thing that the moon although it would be much smaller than the sun, that there is the gravity of the sun, that because the moon is close to us, or closer to us, it's still a long way away, but because it's closer to us on how our earth orbits and moves, that that means that the gravity of the moon is pulling that tide in and causing that tide to go out as it moves with the earth. It's a remarkable. God's amazing. Amen. I mean, it, just, it might just mean nothing to you, but this morning it sort of makes me get excited. Maybe I didn't pick it up. I know I didn't listen much in primary school, but I sort of got it this week. I'm near 50 and I finally got it. The waves work by the moon. Did you not know that? I just found it out. Isn't it amazing? It just, it just dropped Gary this week. This came in. Hey, that's how the waves work. 
I'm standing out in the low tide in Newcastle looking at the moor and saying, Praise the Lord! I've worked it all out, Lord. I got it! I just got it. But it wasn't just the fact that it happens. I got it more than that. I got it that God has a law. And I don't see that law. I don't actually physically see the law that has worked. But he told me in his word that he ordered that law. And he set that moon in its place. And that is going to make that wave come out and that wave go in. And I could be out as far. You know, there was a few weeks ago, I mean, I was out as far. I think it was out further than we have ever gone, Stephen, in a baptism. But we were, I was way out. And I was looking back at Newcastle and the Mourns, and I was so far out. It was nearly like it was in the, I thought it was near Liverpool. <laughs> I was so far out. I thought I crossed the REC, and I looked back, and I stood for a moment. And then I wanted to know, well, if I just stay here, what happens? Now, I know what happened. <laughs> if I just stay here, I know, okay, I know what happens, but I'm just saying, this is the way I talk to myself, all right? If I just stood here, I just waited. I didn't move. I didn't go anywhere. And I know people are going past. I'm sure Adrian Burns going past. There's <laughs> a big lad there. He's lost it. He's trying to throw himself in. But I'm standing there. If I just stood here and didn't move, the law is working. You see, I may be standing on dry ground, but you see that tide? I don't have to move anywhere. But that tide's going to come back in. And if I stayed where I was, if I stayed where I was, even though it might be dry ground, even though it might be hard ground, even though it might be a difficult time, even though it might be times where you feel that you can't even go forward, but see if I stay where I'm supposed to stay, the law of all of that is going to bring in that flood. I know the difference between the low and the high. You can... You can have a high, high tide and a low, high tide. <laughs> it's true. You can have a high, high tide or a low, high tide. But if you just stay where you're supposed to stay, the difference in that can be over four meters. So one minute I'm standing on dry ground. And if I stay where I am, and the law operates then, when that tide comes back in again, I'm going to be swimming. Anybody want to swim? No swimmers? Is there not waters to swim in? Is there not a place to go in God for His people in the days in which we're in? That it's not just to the ankles or to the knees or to the loins. But is there not a place? Is there not a river? Is there not life? Is there not a river of life whereby the church can swim in these waters? And it might be a dry time. It might be a time of barrenness. It might be a, a time where we don't see the flood and we hear the, the, the early pangs. Perhaps, I don't know. I'm, I'm not making a judgment. Everyone wants to make a judgment all of a sudden. Everyone has a YouTube channel to say, is it revival? Is it not revival? If there's young people getting hungry for God and seeking the Lord, well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But friends, I just want to tell you, we have had too many false revivals that have wrecked the church over the years. So, just have wisdom in it. But if there's people that are hungry, if there's a hunger, the Bible says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. You stand on that ground. What I understand from all of this, if that declares the glory of God in creation, then I know there's a law working. 
I know it's working. And the same in the natural, if not, who God, if not is who God is, declaring his glory, then it's the same in the spiritual. Does he change? It's the same exactly in the spiritual. Before, you know, that tide, when it's out, it exposes everything, doesn't it? It exposes everything. When the water's right into the edge, you see nothing, just the waves roaring, and it's beautiful. But when all that tide's out, remember years ago before the, the lag and weir, this is going back a long time, years and years ago before the lag and weir was built, and the tide would have went out, and the river would have dropped away down, and the old lagging boy was rotten. I tell you, it was. I remember one time my dad got his car stolen when we went down over the Ormo Bridge, and there it was. They dumped it into the old lagging, and the tide was down. The old cars lying in the mud. There's done stores, trolleys. There's somebody just didn't make it home with this. That's enough of that. And the place was filled and you seen all the debris, all the ruin, all the rack, all the mess. See, when the tide's out, friends, I want to tell you the tide's out. The tide's out. You know what we see? We see the rack. We see the ruin. We see the pain. We see the brokenness. We see ruined lives. We see, we see it for what it really is, don't we? That's all around us. The tide's out. We see the ruin and the rack, even of, even the representation of really what Christ is, what He's about, even amongst His people, the church. It's filled with all. It's just all the opinions of man. It's it's it's, it's just filled with all the bitterness and hatred and, and all the loose tongues and the unforgiveness and the pride, the arrogance and. The world look on and say, oh, they're, they're Christians. You see the reality of what it is when the tide's out. You see the reality of really what it's like without the power and the presence and the river and the life of God flowing. Oh, it doesn't matter as long as I'm right. We sit in the house of God with unforgiveness towards a brother or sister, or we've been just given out all week about this and that, and what happened last Sunday night, and what didn't happen, and oh. signs and wonders. Well, I don't believe for a second that we're for gimmicks. I wonder what revival really looks like. What's it look like? What does revival look like? What does it actually, what does it look like when it comes? A lot of people think when revival comes that God's going to agree with them. Actually, actually, people believe that. God's going to put it all right and line up with everything that I think the church should be. I, I, I think you might be in for a shock. What does it look like when the presence of God so fills a house? The power of God so comes down? What, is it, what does it feel like? What does it look like? What happens in the midst when the glory of God is so great? The presence of God and the Spirit of God begins. I want to tell you one thing. Spirit of God will never go beyond the confines of God's Word. Never. 
He never do that. Will there be things happen? Will there be manifestations? Well, yes. The history of revivals tell us that the most remarkable things took place. Remarkable things happened. Salvation Army, you read the accounts, even in the secular newspapers, it was remarkable what happened. Signs and wonders. Men and women calling out, screaming out under conviction of sin. Then a raven will give a testimony of men that were lifted out of their seats and carried in midair and thrown upon the altar. Conviction. In the Azusa Street Revival, it happened with a black man who was rejected in Louisiana, couldn't even sit amongst the whites. God used this man up in California, meeting in a little home. They began to pray and seek God for the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And there was a man that was filled with the Holy Ghost. He began to speak in other tongues. Then there was another six followed. And then there was a woman called Jane that was sitting on her chair. And suddenly, Jane was just knocked clean off her seat. Imagine that. And then she said that out of her innermost being, something began to well up and a river burst out of her. Imagine Ulster experience in a revival with signs and wonders. In 1859 revival, Presbyterians, and I have no problem with Presbyterians, were carried out of the church. The power of God so came over them that they were lifted and carried out. I wonder what revival is in your mind or what you think it's going to be. A lot of people are just unsure. What's it going to look like? What's it going to be? Is there going to be manifestations? Is there going to be things that happen that are beyond the realms of the normal run of things? Yes. Will there be order? Yes. But whose order? I want it done the way I believe it should be done. I'm not too sure, brothers and sisters, it happens that way. Maybe some would be knocked off their chair. Not me. Maybe some would be on their faces. But one thing I do know what happens in revival is, and this is, this is a law that happens in every revival, first thing that genuinely happens is that people begin to repent. Repentance is a core of revival. What begins to happen is that the sins, you see a lot of people think it doesn't really matter, nobody really knows. I don't really like him over there, but nobody really knows that. I'll just keep going to church anyway. And uh, I can say what I want. And I can cause division and schisms and I can spout out all the time with a judgmental spirit. And I can do that because I want to tell you the first thing that happens when God comes down is that he doesn't come to endorse your agenda or mine. First thing he comes to do is the Bible says the judgment begins at the house of God. There's a repentance. There's a gift of repentance. Could I tell you something? Some of us in this room have experienced I wouldn't say revival, the word's used too easily, but experienced a renewal of sorts 
Many years ago, when the gift of repentance was given, do you know what follows the gift of repentance when that is followed in obedience? There is exceeding joy. There's a joy that comes. Why? Because when the body begins to function and the things and the stuff and the ailments and the differences are all laid aside, people think that when it comes in, I don't have to do anything. Can I tell you, remember, friends, he doesn't go outside the bounds of his word. So if you vote against your brother, do you know what happens? He still says, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled with your brother before you come. The word still stands. People think when revival comes, woohoo! We're all free. We don't have to do anything. There's no problems. The first thing he does is he begins to clean up the mess that's in the church, the unforgiveness, the critical spirit, the judgmental, the haughty spirit, the pride, the things that lie, the, the unclean things in the heart, the things of fornication and adultery of the heart. He begins to clean up his church. He brings repentance. He gives the church the gift of repentance to come and shows them that there's a way that's been made and there's, there's confession of sin and there's blood that cleanses. And then do you know what happens? There's a joy. People begin to see there's a joy and then they see there's a love amongst those brethren. It's actually real. It's not like just a... It's not... Do you know what I'm saying? It's not just a... a but it's a real love in the church of Jesus Christ and God begins to move and break through. But prior to the tide, prior to the tide coming in, it doesn't look great. In every revival, if you look at it, I'm certainly not an expert on it, but I have studied throughout Scripture and throughout history a little bit. What I've always noticed is that it seems to be in the darkest of times that that's when God comes. It's in the darkest of times, the most difficult of times. Anybody need the Lord? Is there, is there anyone in need? Is there, listen, is there anybody need the Lord? Are we all just so great and so amazing that we don't need Him? Do we not need Him? Is there not a cry in our hearts to say, God, we need the tide to come? Lord, we need the river to come, not because it just boots me right. I'm not right, but it boots, it boots the, the desire in my heart to be right with you vertically and also to be right with every person in this room and beyond this room to say, Lord, this is your body. Now, Lord, do a work through your body for the glory of Jesus Christ that our sons and our daughters will be saved and filled and sent by the power of the Holy Ghost, that the church is raised up as a light in a dark world that is not known for divisions and fights and bound the hands, but it's known for the glory is in the house. Is that not the desire? Is it revival? I, I don't know, but certainly it's a move of God. It's the heart of God. It's the desire of God to glorify His Son through His people, that His church should be known for the love they have one for another, that there is a repentance, that there's a genuineness, that there's a sincere, there's a sincere unity amongst us. You know, before God brought a mighty deliverance to Egypt, they were in bondage. They were crying under the great pressure of the enemy. When, when, when the great revival took place and the judges, and this is a perfect, if you ever look at a title chart, judges is just like a title chart. It just goes like that, the dips and the highs. That's the way the whole way through it. Israel are 
continually backsliding. God raises up a judge. They're restored. God blesses them. And then suddenly they backslide again. It's like that's the whole That's the whole time of the judges. But it's not unlike the kings as well. This king done right in the eyes of the Lord. What happens? God blesses the kingdom. This king done evil in the sight of the Lord. And so they're plummeted down into the depths. And so that's the way it runs. The time of Gideon, it says that Midian prevailed against them. The people of God have lost their harvest. They destroyed the increase of the earth. They were greatly impoverished because of the enemy. It tells us of, at the end of Judges, it closes with this. And this is really where we've come to, brothers and sisters. It's a sad day that we're in. But in Judges 21, the very last verse, it says, There was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I'm right. That's the spirit that's, that's in the church today. Every man will do what's right in my No one tell me. Oh, how we need God. How we need the Lord. How we need the Lord. The time of Elijah's great revival on Mount Carmel, the people were halting between two opinions. The time of Nehemiah, he says, the remnant that are left of captivity in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The walls are broken down, the gates are burned with fire, and we just go through the history of what it's just like before the tide comes. The tide comes. I tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, the tide might be out, but I know of a surety in the depths of my heart that tide's coming back in. Oh, it's coming back. It's coming, and whatever people want to call it, I, I'm, I know the word revival is overused, and maybe I have, I confess that, what I know is that there are principles and laws in revival that don't change. They're in every revival. There's repentance. You know what happens and follows repentance? It still happens. It happens to the church. It happens throughout the ages. The times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Waves, waves of the presence of the Lord. Wave upon wave coming upon us, people. Brothers and sisters, is that what you desire? Waves, times of refresh. Anybody need refreshed? Anybody need refreshed in their spirit? Anybody need refreshed in their walk? Anybody weary or tired in that, that dry, barren land and just, you love the Lord, but you're just going through that season where it's dry and it's dead and it's barren and there's just that breaking. Have you ever experienced it? Where you've just come to the end and you get down on your knees, you get on your knees. Imagine getting on your knees. Imagine the church in Ulster dropping to its knees. Imagine them beginning to call out the Lord. You know, it's three years of of all that COVID and that pandemic and everything that's going on, wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing? I'm not saying it didn't happen at all. Wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing if God's people and, and a party that has many believers in it said, let's all go up to storm it, not for a protest, but let's all fall on our knees and call out to God, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy upon us, Lord, because we, we have rejected you. Our problem as a nation is that we have rejected him. That's our problem. We've rejected the Lord. 
The tide is out. But the laws have shown me one thing over these past few weeks, and I'm sorry if this is too simple, but I just got it. I just got it. I just seen something that isn't seen with the natural eye. It's just seen with the laws and the ordinances of God. And even though that tide's out, I want to tell you, friends, that tide has to come back. Is that it? Is that the sum total of your message this morning? Could you not have given us something a wee bit more to get our teeth into? I want to tell you, friends, that tide's out. And all the wreck and ruins all seen. But the floods are coming on the dry ground. Thirsty for God. You're thirsty. Young Zara, you're thirsty for the Lord. You hunger after God. You want to walk with God. You want the reality of God. You want to live for God. Whether the season is out or in, we still have to walk governed by this word. It doesn't change. Revival could happen today. It could. Anybody else believe it could? Revival could happen in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I don't know. But whether there's revival today or not, I'm still governed by this book. And I still have a duty to be right with you and you to be right with me. Because that brings the presence of the Lord. Oh, how we need the presence of God. Some things just don't change. And I'll close with these words. The words of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Anyone need mercy? Are you merciful? Blessed are the pure in heart. What's in your heart? What's in your heart this morning? Jesus talked about the heart is from within. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, wickedness, deceit, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. These all come and these are the things that defile the man. But blessed are the pure for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Do you know what he said? Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I know the flood. I know the tides out. But the law and the ordinance of God revealed to me that that tide's coming back in. And brothers and sisters, I know in the depths of my being the greatest need in the church today is not another sermon, not another preacher, not another superstar, not another just fad. But we need the floods of revival. We need the rivers and the waters to swim in. May God help us all to be the men and women that he wants us to be whether the tide's out or the tide's in. That's who we are.
followers of Him. Father, this morning, we pray before Your mighty throne, Lord, that You are above everything, You're above all. There is no one beside You, Lord. And Lord, we are simply Your sheep this morning. Lord, we're the sheep of Your pasture, Lord. Lord, I thank You this morning, Lord, for Oh God, the day and the hour that you saved each and every man and woman and boy and girl in this room, Lord, and they belong to you this morning. Lord, we realize we're in critical times, perilous times, times of great difficulty. Lord, so much dryness and brokenness and hurt and, oh God, division, Lord, across the body of Christ. Lord, we're asking, Lord, for the floods of revival. Give us the gift of repentance. Lord, to be right, Lord, with you, Lord, and to be right with each other. Deliver us, Lord, from ourselves. Deliver us from our own way. Deliver us from our own ideas, our own thoughts, all our speeches, all our grandstanding. Deliver us from it, Lord. But, oh God, we bow very low this morning and say, Lord, would the tide of grace and mercy sweep in even to this little place. May we make way for the King. May we make way in our hearts, Lord. May we make a way this morning that you can come in among us, Lord, and do such a deep work, Lord. Oh, God, we need a deep work, Lord. Lord, would you raise up your church, Lord, as a testimony for what she should be. Not just here, Lord. Lord, but across this land, across this town, Lord, a bride adorned, furnished, Presenting, O oh God, the fullness of who you are in Christ. Lord, we ask this morning, Lord, do a mighty work among us. Send the floods of revival. Lord, let them fall. Streams of salvation. O oh God, this morning we pray, Lord, the streams of salvation would go beyond, Lord, four walls, Lord, but out onto these streets, Lord, through your people, Lord. Reaching a broken and a dying world. God, we know time is short. Oh God, revive thy work, we pray, Lord. Revive us again. Revive us again that we might rejoice in thee, O God. Lord, we pray. Lord, move among us. Touch our hearts, Lord. Give us the grace, Lord, that we so desperately need to be the men and the women that you want us to be and the walk that you want us to walk and the talk that you want us to talk. Lord, give us the grace to do that, Lord. We cannot do it any other way but by thy grace. We ask him in Jesus' name. Amen. Stan will sing that hymn.